The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. So I'm not going to get real hot and heavy on the Uvalde uh, shooting, you know, the shooting at Robb Elementary. Um, we're still praying for the families and loved ones of the kids that died in that shooting. Um, but I, I do want to cover how bizarre everything is. We just had a shooting at a Tulsa hospital where four or five people were killed. The gunman takes his own life. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, the incidents of the shooting itself is really bizarre. And it's been covered by everybody under the sun. So I'm not going to try to add some extra insight into it. But I do think it's kind of odd. You know, I think it's kind of odd when you look at the fact that uh, the gunman shot his grandmother in the face. I think he shot his mom, too. I can't remember if that was the grandmother or the mom or the grandmother and the mom. Um, but one of them went across the street to call a neighbor and, you know, the guy was bullied and he's just had all types of issues. And so he decides he's going to shoot his, uh, you know, his relatives and his parents. And then he's going to drive 40 minutes down to a school that he doesn't even go to. He's never went to. He's 18. Um, he's going to pull out his rifle and shoot at a a funeral home and totally miss everybody there. And then he's going to go down to this school uh, the door's propped open in the back. He decides he's just going to roll on in. He's going to start shooting up the place. And then the cops are going to swoop in. And some of those cops are going to you know, go in and take their own children out. And then the other cops are just going to hang outside for 90 minutes, not doing anything while this guy's barricaded in a closet. And then a border agent who hears this, he's off duty. He's hanging out getting his hair done at a barber shop, and he hears it on the news. He snags, he snags the, the barber's shotgun and decides to roll down there with no tactical gear on at all, while there's federal agents in tactical gear along with the Uvalde Police Department. And then this border agent rolls in and takes him out with a freaking shotgun. And that's where we are. And somehow this is all about... AR-15s and and crap like that. It's all about the guns. You know, Anna Navarro is out there saying, I don't care if he had mental illness and he had all these problems. We got to get the gun, too. You know, they talk about these things as though the gun just wakes up, carries itself across the table, loads itself and starts shooting. And then we offer solutions like hardening the targets. You know, let's take this school and make sure that there's only one certain access way in. Because I can tell you right now, with my wife being in the, in the school system, uh, as far as you know, employment goes, she uh, I've had to help her move items from classrooms from time to time. And I basically refurnished an entire classroom. And every time I walked out to the vehicle, I had to get an eye retina scan and an enema, you know, a big, uh, they put the gloves on and they're looking in my rectum while I'm going through and I'm signing waivers and triplicate just to get buzzed in through the door. Why that didn't happen in, in Rob Elementary? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be conspiracy theorist, but at the same time, a lot of weird stuff happened there. And so we say, well, let's harden the target. Let's make the doors. Well, they do lock from the, from the outside in. You know, you can click the little double handle right there in the middle of the door and go right on out. But if it shuts, it should lock behind it. But apparently this one didn't. 
Some say it might have been propped open. But if it wasn't propped open, this guy just, he should have played the lotto because he his lot in life was right there. The luck, I mean, come on, to find the one door. To find the one door that was open. Hmm, interesting. But, you know, then you've got these idiots out there talking about the, the hospital shooting in Tulsa. And they're talking about, well, you know, how about harden those targets? You know, the the one door solution isn't going to work. Well, it's funny because they want to joke on our solutions for a school because a hospital is a different scenario than a school system or a school building. Um, you do. There's many more reasons for that type of hardening and that type of protection. But for what they're talking about with the hospital, they say, well, the door solution is is ridiculously laughable. Well, you know what? The gun shooting itself without anybody assisting it is just as laughable. And that's what they're asserting with uh, with what happened in Uvalde. So um, we're going to get into some other things on the other side of this break. But I did want to touch on that situation because they're coming for the guns. They've said it. And, you know, they're talking about how it's about you know, we don't need these bullets that can, you know, that can blow out your lung, like Joe Biden said, because these high caliber bullets, you know, they, they want the little bullet that will just go in and then they can pick it out. Because not only do they want to disarm you, they also want your means of, of defense to be basically minimal, right, <laughs> to be ineffective so that when they do decide to lock down a country uh, decide to arrest you for opening your gym or giving somebody a haircut or going to church. And then they decide, you know what? You're in the middle of being attacked by a gunman in a building where you can't get out of. Um, we're just going to stand outside for 90 minutes because we're the ones that should have the weapons, not you, you plebe. That's, that's where we're at with this. And so we have to look at some of the other authoritarian things that they're looking to move on. Like, uh, food, uh, the transition of, of food resources and, and food supply, uh, the transition of energy from green, uh, from oil to green. And, you know, it's going to be painful. Your life's going to suck for a while, but you know what, when we get to the other side, we'll all be driving Teslas. Isn't that great? I don't know how you're going to buy them. You're going to be so destitute from the fact that you're going to be living in brownout city. Um, or you're just going to be bankrupt because you couldn't afford the new energy sources. And you're walking to work, you're taking mass transit, and the next thing you know, light rail is in your life. And then they can decide, oh, COVID's coming up again. Let's just lock down everybody. In fact, shut down the light rails. Yeah, that's the, the power is in who has control of, of movement and control of fuel and control of uh, this. It comes down to property. All these things are things that they don't want us to have. You'll own nothing and you'll like it, right? They want to get rid of property ownership because title to property is is freedom, ownership. You build wealth. You acquire assets. That's how we defeated the Native Americans. See, the Native Americans, they laughed at us over property ownership. They thought it was really insane of a concept because, you know, they were nomads. They just roamed the areas and they had their places that they went but when we were buying New York from them, they laughed at us. And so we didn't have to do as we did in our former land where, you know, some king designated us a property owner 
uh, in the rare instance, because not everybody was a property owner, and they were able to, uh, you know, build some sort of wealth, even though they were still under the thumb of a, you know, a ruler, a monarch, a king. We didn't have to do that in America. We could make our own paths. And that's how that worked. But the freedom of movement, the freedom of uh, energy, you know, it comes down to what they're talking about with food resources. We have to we have to transition to new ways of food resources. I don't know what that means, but they have been talking about us eating bugs for a long damn time now. I'm not eating bugs, especially when I don't have to. You know, we we could go to the store, buy burgers and steaks and everything's fine, but they want to turn it into a climate catastrophe and they're going to say, well, you're just going to eat bugs and yeah, there's going to be a shortage. Yeah, there was a ton of processing plants that were just suddenly on fire and I don't know, fertilizer was a bitch to get a hold of. Oh, wait a minute, a whole train was derailed, filled with fertilizer, right? And I'm not saying all of these instances were deliberate. I mean, there's been, you know, we have the Gwaltney factory right around the corner. That ended up catching on fire down there in uh, in uh, Great Bridge, um, or actually it was Portlock, I think. Uh, there was a processing plant that caught on fire and everybody was like, oh, look at that. And I'm like, well, no, it really did happen and it wasn't intentional. But there's been a lot of them and maybe some of them have. Maybe the train derailment of fertilizer when we're in the middle of a fertilizer shortage wasn't a coincidence. Uh, maybe, you know, the shooter wasn't really just let in through the back door that was propped open. I don't know what's going on, but what I can say is when it gets down to them wanting to transition us from food sources and also transition us through the temporary pain to a new energy system where we're going to just disown oil, disown fracking, disown coal, and it's going to be painful. You know, you're going to be destitute and you might have some brownouts because everybody's plugging their electric cars into the into the grid and, you know... You couldn't afford to buy those electric cars. But on the other side, we'll all have Teslas. We'll all be great. Yeah, that's not how that's going to work. Um, a lot of us are going to be financially stomped on because we can't really afford to move to these new electric vehicles. And we're going to be stuck taking light rail, which is electric too, I guess. So that when they have the next COVID breakout, they can say, we just got to lock everybody down. And the only way that you can get to work is through light rail that you have to somehow get to maybe take 30 minutes to get to the light rail station. But we're going to shut light rail down because we, you can't, we can't have you traveling outside your home. We need to weld you inside the home. This is what's coming. And these authoritarians, you know, they want to, they want to shape the world in their image but they're not really expecting the Canadian trucker. They're not expecting the border agent who grabbed this, the, saw, the shotgun from his barber to roll down to the school. They're not expecting because they look at their plans and they look at us as a monolith that, that we're just going to all fall in line with this one war game scenario. They don't, they don't allow for the cleverness of man to be factored into their plans. So, these are things we're just going to have to keep an eye on. They're really effing with the food supply. They're effing with the, uh, you know, the baby formula issues. Um, you can't make your own baby formula. You can't do like we did in what the sixties and fifties and what have you. You got to get Similac 
You know, you can only use the Similac. You can't use the European Similac, but you got to use the American Similac. Does that sound familiar? Can't use the ivermectin. You got to use the jab that is causing myocarditis to where the Brooklyn Half Marathon had 10 people injured and one died at the finish line from a heart attack where a lot of cardio was involved. These are things that we're having to look at. And on the other side of the break, we'll get into some other examples of, of the tyranny that they're trying to push upon us. But um, we have to reject any sort of gun control legislation because it's not about it's not about hunting. It's not about, uh, you know, sport, sport hunting or sportsmanship with your gun. It's about the more of us armed than there are them and the government before they decide to put another crackdown and close your business, you try to open up a gym or you try to go to open up your hair salon, go to church. They're wanting to crack down on you and eliminate that. And it's all about moving to a new United Nations of Davos. So we'll get into more of the uh, crazy insanity of the world and just on the other side of the break. <laughs> This is Adrian Slade. So we learn more about the Tulsa shooting in the hospital. It was a gentleman by the name of Michael Lewis, who apparently he went in for back surgery a while back and it didn't turn out so hot. He was very, you know, pain ridden and, you know, wanted some additional uh, attention to be had. And he kept calling the doctor and over and over the doctor just ignored him or that. So he thought. And he took it quite personally to the point where he just basically said, I am going to kill the doctor and no one is going to stand in my way. He left that on a nice little note as he decided after the fourth or fifth time trying to contact the doctor that he was going to go buy an AR-15 and go shoot up the hospital where he shot up a secretary, a patient, the surgeon, and he took his own life. And I think one other individual. And again, we want to keep them you know, and their family in our prayers. Um, but Joe Biden decided to use these events, the event in Uvalde, the event in Tulsa, and then what we talked about in the last podcast with the manifesto, the Brooklyn event, to say he wants to ban AR-15s. He really wants to ban assault weapons, right? We're back to that again in high-capacity magazines because basically what he wants – oh, he also said he wanted to make sure that we are going to keep people liable for uh, not – securing their firearms because Adam Lanza in the Sandy Hook shooting was able to get his mother's guns pretty easily and kill his mother and then go down to the school and take out the school. So basically what it is, is all you law abiding people have to lock your guns up like Fort Knox and it's going to take you hours to, you know, I got to get to the safe. I got to run the combination. I got to open it up, take the lock off the fire gun, firearm. But then you're going to have magazines that have like what, maybe one, four bullets tops and you're going to have to keep reloading all of this to defend yourself while a criminal who doesn't follow any of these laws gets a semi-automatic and just kind of takes you out in the process. While you're hampered with your hands behind your back, and like we said earlier, instead of nine millimeter uh, ammo that will blow a lung out the body, according to Joe Biden, you're going to have to get those, you know, lower uh, caliber uh, ammunition that just basically, you know, they can pull it out of the lung and maybe save your life, you know, because when you're taking on a tyrannical government, the government was is going to be the one to be able to over 
overpower you and you're going to only be able to fight back with the equivalent of rubber bullets. And when you don't realize uh, that this is a global push, it's not just something American made, um, then you won't realize that the individuals who are involved are all individuals that were aligned with the World Economic Forum and their utilizing of Ukraine as a proxy to fight against nationalist leaders, whether you like them or not, you know, they're nationalist leaders. And so you have, you know, people targeting Bolsonaro down there in Brazil. Um, You know, we can't have that guy uh, worried about his country's sovereignty. That's what happened with Donald Trump. They pushed him out too. Um, Same with the leader of Hungary. So now you've got these calls from all these other governments, all these other nations about gun control just because of what happened in America. It really sounds like this is the new COVID lockdowns. And I'm going to read a piece in a little bit that uh, kind of summarizes how COVID was the end game for the left across the globe. But we find out in Chile, their new socialist president, Gabriel Boric, he vows, quote, armed violence will not be tolerated and calls for a, quote, total ban on gun ownership. Huh. Then we got this little nugget from Justin Trudeau, you know, the same guy that took everyone's bank information from GoFundMe and shut down all the bank accounts for the Canadian truckers who are protesting against the lockdowns of, you know, the World Economic Foreign, uh, World Economic Forum's young leaders, uh, protege, um, the Canadian leader, Justin Trudeau, which we still wonder how he's been reelected. Um, he says this little clip and it's really disturbing. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. These are actions that doctors, experts and chiefs of police have been calling for for years and we're acting on their advice. I also want to thank the advocates, many of whom are here today, for your tireless efforts. I know that for too many of you, grief and loss are at the root of the work that you do. I want to recognize that, and on behalf of all Canadians, I want to thank you for your... So they're on the march on gun control. I mean, sounds like Australia years ago. You know, sounds a lot like what they went through. And we're on this new uh, this new path of what I call broken leg syndrome, this manufactured crisis. You know, we're going to cause a crisis and then we're going to say, hey, we're here to fix it. Right. So maybe that's what happened down in Uvalde. And then they're going to say, oh, we're going to fix it by getting rid of the guns. 
Or maybe that's what happened with the baby formula where they shut down the Abbott plant that manufactures the baby formula for months because they said it had contaminants in it. And come to find out after investigation, doesn't have any contaminants. And guess what? Now we're behind on baby formula production. We're going to shut that down. Oh, and then the food production. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a problem with food production. Suddenly plants are blowing up everywhere and uh, you know, oh, we need fertilizer to grow the food. Oh, suddenly a train derails with fertilizer. You know, I mean, I'm not saying they're all conspiracy theory issues because there have been, like I said, the one down the street, uh, food pre- processing plant down in the city nearby that everyone freaked out over that it had a legitimate reason for what happened to it. Um, it wasn't arson. It wasn't some sort of thing that the that a cabal was doing, but. There's been a there's been too many for me to think that maybe some of them weren't nefarious. I don't know. It's hard to say. But somehow they know and they telegraph it. Listen to Joe Biden telegraphing what's going on with the, you know, food and 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 the baby formula and everything else under the sun. You know, he's going to say that they're going to be able to bring the cost of gasoline down. Right. Because. Uh, well, they're not going to be able to bring the cost of gasoline. This is going to be the new normal. This is what Obama said with GDP. Remember, he said, well, yeah, this is kind of how it's going to be from here on out until we find out President Trump gets in office and suddenly, wow, there can be good GDP. There can be low unemployment. It must be the leadership that caused this. And so Joe Biden's going to say the same thing as far as gas prices and as far as food. There's a lot going on uh, right now. But the idea we're going to be able to, you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in their term, nor is it with regard to food. So we've got all these crises that are happening all at the same time, and we're supposed to believe it's Ukraine that's doing it. Uh, and then you're going to ask us to disarm after what you did to us for two years, locking us down, closing our businesses. And then you've got representatives like this idiot who... Uh, he, he thinks he's going to come out and take our guns. Listen to this guy go off because whenever they're worried about protecting and maintaining the democracy, when really we're not a democracy, we're a constitutional republic. But anyways, whenever they want to preserve democracy, why is it that they always have to destroy the institutions or modify them in such a way that goes above and beyond what is allowed by the Constitution? I mean, they're going to pack the court. They're going to get rid of the filibuster. They're going to do all these things that, you know, typically if you had a legislature, you just pass a law, right? Or you go, I mean, they want to do all these extra ordinary things to supersede democracy or a constitutional republicanism. Listen to this fool. Our lives the same as you did when you were kids, but we can't let you get away with this anymore. Enough is enough. Enough of you telling us that school shootings are a fact of life when every other country like ours has virtually ended it. Enough of you blaming mental illness and then defunding mental health care in this country. Enough of your thoughts and prayers. Enough. Enough. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it. And we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. 
each and every day, we will do whatever it takes to end gun violence, whatever it takes. What we will do is not fail the children of this country the way that you have failed us, the generations of Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, and Uvalde. I yield back, Madam Chair. See, they can't do it organically the right way. They have to do this supernatural way, right? They have to go cut around the institutional uh, parameters to get whatever they want done. And he doubles down on his stupidity because if you get rid of semi-automatics, you're getting rid of just the mechanism to reload the, the weapon. You're getting rid of the efficiency built into the item that is... In many handguns, mostly rifles, um, semi-automatic doesn't, I mean, do, it really when they, talk, when they really want to go into what they want us to deal with, law-abiding citizens, they want us to put guns with, they want locks on the guns, put them in a lockbox, put them in a safe, make it to where you have to load one bullet at a time, and by that point, and we can't even get really good bullets that would finish the job. We have to get these bullets that don't blow lungs out, right, Biden? We have to get these bullets that they can just pop out of the lung and go, see, we can still save this person. Because when the government comes down on you, you don't want to be able to have a lot of bullets in the chamber. And you don't want lung-blowing bullets to uh, take out the lungs of your enemy, Right. Government should only be the ones to have that. How did that work out in Ukraine when we're out there arming the citizens? But listen to him double down on stupid. You mentioned you want weapons of war out of circulation. What is a weapon of war to you? Assault weapons. Assault weapons. So is that like semi-automatic handguns and rifles? Semi-automatic weapons would qualify as assault weapons. And these are things that should be banned. Almost take almost every gun off of out of people's hands. I mean, true. I mean, handguns, for example, would not qualify uh, under under what I just described. I got. I'm sorry. I got to go. (laughs) So yes, Mondaire Jones just explained. Yeah, all semi-automatic weapons. Which Hillary Vaughn says, yeah, handguns. Yeah, handguns. So you want to take everyone's handguns away? No, handguns wouldn't qualify as assault weapons even though he just defined assault weapons as any, quote, semi-automatic weapon. They, they don't have any knowledge base of what they're talking about. They just want to get rid of the guns. And that's why I was saying it's all about getting rid of the guns. That's what it's, any of these things are built upon that premise. So we should look at where this complete change in the bureaucracy and how it's pushing conservatives completely out of the system Uh, where this all came down from. And it comes from an article based upon COVID. So I wanted to read a little bit of this article by Matthew Crawford. He is a senior fellow at the University of Virginia Institute for Advanced Studies and Culture. And it's called COVID was liberalism's endgame. So listen to this. Throughout history, there have been many crises that could be resolved only by suspending the normal rule of law and constitutional principles. A, quote, state of exception, quote, is declared until the emergency passes. It could be a foreign invasion, an earthquake, or a plague. During this period, the legislative function is typically reduced from a parliamentary body to the executive, suspending the basic charter of government and, in particular, the separation of powers. The Italian political theorist Giorgio Agamemnon points out the fact that, in fact, 
the, quote, state of exception has almost become the rule rather than the exception in the Western liberal democracies over the last century. The language of war is invoked to pursue ordinary domestic politics. Over the past 60 years in the United States, we have had the war on poverty, the war on drugs, the war on terror, the war on COVID, the war on disinformation, and the war on domestic extremism. A variation of this theme is the utility of moral panics, spiritual warfare, for pursuing top-down projects of social transformation, typically by administrative fiat. The principle of equality under the law, which would seem to be indispensable to a liberal society, must make way for a system of privileges for protected classes, corresponding to a moral topography of citizens along the axis of victim and oppressor. Victim drama serves as a permanent moral emergency, justifying an ever deeper penetration of society by bureaucratic authority in both the public and the private sectors. Once this pattern of government by emergency snaps into focus, one experiences a gestalt shift. The self-image of the liberal West, as based on the rule of law and representative government, is in need of revision. Our society's response to COVID brought this anarchism to mass awareness. The pandemic brought liberalism's deeper con contradictions into plain view. On one hand, it accelerated what had previously had been a slow motion desertion of liberal principles of government. On the other hand, COVID culture has brought to the surface the usually uh, subterranean core of the liberal project, which is not merely political, but anthropolitical. To remake man, the project can come to fruition, it seems, only with a highly illiberal form of government, paradoxically enough, if we can understand this, it might explain why our embrace of illiberal politics has met so little resistance. It seems like anthropological project is more of powerful commitment for us than allegiance to the forms and procedures of liberal government. This is one front in a larger development, an intensifying distrust of human judgment when it operates in the wild, unsupervised. Sometimes this takes a purely bureaucratic form of insisting on metrics of performance and imposing uniform procedures on professionals. Quote, evidence-based medicine circumscribes to the discretion of doctors. Standard tests and curricula do the same for teachers. At other times, this same impulse takes a technological form with algorithms substituting for individual judgment on the grounds of human rationality is the weak link in the system. For example, it is stipulated that human beings are terrible drivers and must be re replaced in a new regime of autonomous vehicles. The effect consistently is to remove agency from the skilled practitioners on the grounds of incompetence and to devolve power upward toward a separate layer of information managers that grows ever thicker. It also removes responsibility from the identifiable human beings who can be held to account for their decisions. Such mythification institutes various forms of power, both governmental, commercial, and for popular pressures. Needless to say, this sits ill with the Enlightenment idea that governing authority is grounded in our shared rationality, accessible in principle to every citizen and capable of articulation. 
technocratic progressivism, in fact, requires the disqualification of experience and common sense as a guide to reality and installs in their place a priestly form of authority closer to the Enlightenment's caricature of medieval society than its own self-image. It also requires a certain human type, which, fittingly enough, looks like a caricature of the medieval personality, a credulous, fearful person. This brings us to the Habesian anthropological program. How are we to understand all the dramatically different responses of our society to the Spanish flu of a century ago and COVID today? There is an inverse relationship between the severity of these pandemics and the severity of the measures to control them. Clearly, COVID acquired some of its emergency energy from the ambient political crisis dating from 2016, which put the establishment on a war footing. But it also slotted nicely into the more general politics of emergency that is the unacknowledged core of technocratic progressivism and it is further advanced today than it was in 1918. In 2020, a fearful public acquiesced to an extraordinary extension of expert ju- jurisdiction over every domain of life and correspondingly transferred uh, its sovereignty from representative bodies to unelected agencies located in the executive branch of government. Notoriously, polling indicated or polling indicated the perception of risk of COVID outstripped the reality by one or two orders of magnitude, but with a sharp uh, demarcation, the hundredfold distortion was among itself uh, self-identified liberal Democrats. That is those who, whose yard signs exhort us to quote, believe in the, in the science in a technocratic regime. Whoever controls what science says controls the state. What science says is then subject to political contest and subject to capture by whoever funds it, which turns out to be the state itself. Here is an uh, epistemic self-licking ice cream cone that bristles at outside interference. Many factual ambiguities and rival hypotheses about the pandemic, typically of the scientific process, were resolved not by rational debate, but by intimidation with a heavy use of the term disinformation and attendant enforcement by social media companies acting as freelancers and franchises of the state. In this, there seemed to have been a consistent bias towards scientific interpretations that induced fear, even at the cost of omitting relevant context. If all this strikes you as illiberal, it should. Yet, in another sense, the central role of of fear in politics has an impeccable liberal pedigree in the thought of Thomas Hobbes. This brings us to the deeper anthropological project of liberalism. First, in what sense is Hobbes a liberal? He is certainly no advocate of liberal uh, limited government, and the regime he imagines is basically monarchical. It is liberal in the sense that it is founded on consent. But it turns out this consent depends on a re-education program that teaches quite deep and is never finished. Hobbes offers a fable of human origins, the state of nature, according to which we are originally in a condition of acute vulnerability. Even after the rise of political society, civil war is always a threat and is the problem that his politics 
is meant to solve. The problem comes down to the fact that we are prone to pride, prone to vainglory. We are ornery. This is based on a false consciousness in which we place too high a value on ourselves and then feel slighted and insulted when others fail to recognize us. Such aristocratic bitterness leads to a faction and a civil strife. This, the good news is that we can overcome through a shift in perspective, and if we, especially the proud, come to identify with the weak rather than think ourselves strong, we are all potential victims, and this is the self-awareness that grounds political authority in consent. Out of fear, we consent to a social compact in which we all submit to the Leviathan, whom Hobbes calls, quote, king of the proud. Liberalism begins with the politics of emergency, and then Leviathan is supposed to end this state of emergency. That is the whole point of it. But the emergency must be renewed over and over again if Leviathan is to thrive. This requires renewal of the consciousness raising program as well, cultivating the vulnerable self. This is the self that is implicit in the cult of uh, safetyism that children are brought up in. It is also the guy you see in riding his bicycle, double masked. (laughs) Unbelievable. A therapeutic parastate of social workers and psychiatrists arose early in the 20th century and was well described by Christopher Locke. It is long required. It has long required fragile views more as clients than citizens. With the rise of the biosecurity state, this demand has taken on a new dimension. I should say where I'm coming from. I live in the Bay Area, the deepest blue region in the country. I may be responding to a different societal facts from the ones the readers are observing in where they live right now. Right now, in the spring of 2022, I would estimate that a quarter of the people walking around Berkeley are masked outdoors. I would like to understand this. So would I. Whatever they are and why why ever they're doing it, it is not following the science. But let us acknowledge that many of our hygiene maximalists are acting not out of fear for themselves, but in the name of the common good. And this is an attractive brand. Indeed, maybe deep blue COVID culture was prompted by dissatisfaction with liberal individualism. We have an unsatisfied longing for belonging, for anything that could pull us out of the liberal mindset of rights and recall us to duties. The pandemic provided an opportunity to rise above the selfish concerns of the bourgeoisie and discover a public self-spirit in oneself. Zero COVID is a heroic battle to join, which requires literal effacement of the individual. As in any war, those who have answered the call recognize one another, not by their faces, but by their uniform, the N95. So he makes a good point here. We're talking about how we've turned everything over to the administrative state and the experts, and then the experts were basically responsible for shutting everything down. And we did it all willingly, wearing our mask and following the science out of fear for the common good, not out of fear specifically for ourselves, although I think there was a lot of that. Um, but this is where we land. And so we have to look at it and go, how do we turn this 
uh, car around? How do we flip the script on this? You do it on the state and local level. You fortify your states against a a bureaucratic mess that we have at the top. You do it by going to your city council meetings, going to your school board meetings, getting good people in on the ground level. See, George Soros, he was always trying to do a quick top-down thing, and then he figured it out. Then he started putting in attorney generals. He started messing with the state, the state legislatures. Now, look what he's doing on the ground game in the Hispanic market. So there has been this rise in the Hispanic community of Hispanic AM radio, talk radio. And it's been really effective. It's been communicating liberty, freedom, conservative values, and it's starting to spread and it's starting to affect the Hispanic vote. So what did Soros do? He started buying all the radio stations. He's doing this as we speak. He's not doing it himself. He's running it through these little progressive organizations that are buying up media companies and they look real. It all looks good on the outside. But really, when you boil it down, he's trying to impact that footing. But that groundswell, that that localism of communities hearing the conservative message, spreading it on and growing that base That's where this is all heading, and that's what we have to do in our communities. Fortify your states as much as possible so that when the federal government comes down, somebody like Ron DeSantis can turn around and say, no, we ain't playing that game. Tampa Bay Rays, you want to talk against Second Amendment? We're just going to pull your tax uh, incentives, and we're not going to fund your stadium. Oh, Special Olympics, you want jab mandates? Nah, we're we're, we're just not going to have your event, right? Disney, you want to groom the kids? You want to talk about your not-so-secret gay agenda in your Zoom calls that you're putting in all your programming? Maybe the drag story, uh, you know, drag queen television series you have going on? Well, we can do that, too. We can go ahead and end that. So this is where we go with all of this. 2A grabs that they're trying to do based off Uvalde and, and Tulsa, we can stop that on the state level. So... Think about fortifying your states and your communities to beat the Leviathan. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker. Tune in. You can also get it on the Roku channel. Uh, Get it in your streaming store. Donate to be on the show. Uh, You can call 1-929-GO-GO-USA. We may play your voicemail on on the show. And you can donate, adrianslade.com, anchor.fm slash adrianslade slash support. God bless. See you next time.